0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Small Council Radio, where we talk about everything uh, a Song of Ice and Fire, the miniature game. Uh, today, we have an episode to cover some things that have just recently been spoiled, and it is just basically going to be myself and one guest. I'm waiting for the guest to arrive, so uh, we had a couple of things come up today, so we are not as stacked as we normally are. But just to give you a heads up, we will be discussing the changes to Jojen Reed, uh, Corin Halfhand, Jamie Lannister, The Weeper, Howland Reed, the Guard Captain, Cersei Lannister, Lannister Halberdiers, the Watch Captain, Dior Mormont, Sworn Brothers, the Umber Champion, Sansa, and Berserkers. So, kind of a lot to cover there, but... Uh, it really shouldn't take too long with just myself and our guest uh, giving our take on these things. So, everybody's either excited or nervous, maybe a little bit of both, uh, a little bit of reservation with the 1.7 changes looming on the horizon. Um, some people are holding on to some concerns that they're changing too much and they're afraid that the game is not going to be what they expect. Uh, I think everybody should be excited because the developers have given us a good game so far. I don't see them just suddenly forgetting how to write rules when they rewrite uh, some of these units, and it's just all of a sudden going to be a bad product. Don't see it happening. Uh, Surely it'll be different, but there can't be really anything wrong with that, because we might get an opportunity to see some of those units that have just kind of been sitting on the shelf get used again. So I am really excited, and hopefully all of you are as well, And we'll start getting into some of these changes to build up a little bit of hype. So, still waiting on the guests, so I'm going to go ahead and just get started right here. We will start with the Starks, everybody's favorite army to play and everybody's favorite army to play against, right? Um, Starks have been towards the top of the competitive meta really since the release. Uh, They might not have won a whole lot of games when the game was very new, or they might not have won a whole lot of events. But I think a lot of that was because um, some other high-skilled players were using Tyrion, and his level of control is is and always has been such a hard counter to what Starks want to do. But I know for sure when I was at – sorry about that, that's my daughter – when I was at Gen Con 2019, I had to get through four Stark opponents to get to the top. So – Starks were clearly on top table, and they were very much in the thick of the competition. If I hadn't managed to win with Tyrion, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Starks would have won because the Stark player that I played knocked off the top Night's Watch player, and all that was left below was Starks. So, that said, um, let's talk about what's changing for the Starks that we've seen so far, and we will start with Jojen Reed, a model that is probably, for the most part, Unless you're running a dedicated Kranig list and you like the randomness and the fun nature of him, he's probably mostly sitting on shelves. Uh, But let's look at how he's changed, and I'll kind of go over how I think he could be used and what might make him worth his weight. So first of all, you're seeing that he's two points. Uh, He's still got the affiliation Kranigman, and that is now hearted. Uh, And so far from what we've seen, the innate, the affiliation abilities are innate. Uh, we'll see that with Howlin when we get to his attachment as well. I have to assume that that's something that's going to be across the board. Okay, so what we have besides the affiliation is Jojen's green sight, what he currently has, but it's been reworked. Each time this unit performs an attack or charge action, before resolving that action, it gains one of the following. You may reroll any attack dice, or you may re-roll any charge distance and ignore the hindering and rough terrain keywords for this turn. Okay, so why this one is relatively important, first of all, uh, re-rolling attack dice doesn't, uh, doesn't stipulate that it has to be a melee attack. So you can select him with a ranged attack and just automatically get your re Similar to the Kranigman Warden that we see often in Kranigman units, uh, but he doesn't have the caveat of the unit having to be unactivated. <coughs> so... Excuse me. If you have played against Krannig Trackers with the Warden, you know just how deadly that unit can be when they're hitting on a 4 plus with rerolls. Uh, this could obviously be transferred to Bowman as well, who are hitting on a 3 plus. Not necessarily begging for rerolls, but as we know with charges, it can end up making a huge difference. I'd like to think on eight dice with rerolls hitting on threes, you should probably reliably hit six to seven times. Um, I think in a lot of people's mind, they envision that they're always going to hit eight with rerolls. doesn't really work out this way mathematically. But with that said, uh, you can see that he belongs in a Kranigman unit or a Bowman unit, just as well as he belongs in a melee unit. Now, when you're charging, you ignore the hindering and rough keywords. Obviously, rough is going to subtract one inch from your movement. This can make a charge that would have been relatively difficult a whole lot easier. And then with hindering, you will not get your charge distance or your charge dice re-rolls once you charge in. So that one is pretty substantial in 1.7 because it's no longer rolling two dice and selecting the lowest. You just know for sure you're not getting re-rolls. And that can it's not a disordered charge, but it's going to really, really deaden the blow from that charge. So you can take Jojen and Either by ignoring those keywords or by just selecting to reroll your attack anyway, you can basically ignore the effects of those terrain. If you need to charge over rough, it's probably smart to choose the movement. But it's kind of half of half a dozen of one, six of the other, unless you just want to take the reroll in case you do roll a one on that charge and you could lose your charge bonus anyway. Uh, where he's really going to shine is in the grind. So, once you're engaged, you can use him to reroll your attack dice after you've already charged in. So, he's got some merit, and then all of that is really going to depend on just how powerful Howland's cards are and how much better they get with the Cranigman affiliation. Uh, if they are anything like what they are now, they get a pretty substantial bonus for the Kranag keyword. <laughs>
1: Hello, breath, to your copy. Did you hear me?
0: Oh, okay, sorry about that. So anything like what they are now, we've got some pretty substantial bonuses for being a cranar unit. Hello, hello. Hey, my guest is here, so I will just let you introduce yourself really quickly while I sort some things out. I'm really sorry, this was kind of like a last-minute show, and I'm in the middle of uh, giving my daughter a bath, so it's kind of loud. But uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, let us know what content creation you do, uh, how long you've played the game, uh, how long you've done gaming in general, and what got you into it.
1: Okay. Hello, everyone. This is Ben. We're calling from from Finland, house of Finland. Um, I have a wargaming blog it's called 25 Years of Minutes, and you can find it with the blog.com address. Probably, Hopefully, uh, that link will be provided in the show notes later on. Uh, I've been wargaming for 30-plus years. So more than those, 25 years. And um, now for for two years, uh, my main game has been Song of Ice and Fire.
0: Okay, perfect. Uh, and, yes, we will absolutely drop a link to your content creation and anything else you'd like us to link on the Song of Ice and Fire sure. page. And that should also be shared through the guild as well. So basically all you've is i introduce what we're going over and I've given a little bit of my take on Jojen um, if you want to yeah, have I a heard look that at one. that and, Yeah, if you want to see, tell us what you think about him, where you think he would be useful and then we can move on
1: Yeah, well, I, I think it's, it's a significant change to Jojen like you said, he's been mostly, mostly on the shelf and, and what is also relevant is that those abilities are now innate but they cannot be negated. Um, I was also thinking on putting him on uh, Stormcrow mercenaries. Because then he would only be like a one-point or altogether a six-point unit. And they certainly need those re-rolls. But I think the the, the biggest value here is, is uh, the easier charge. But, uh, stocks do want to be charging. But I think, yeah, He's uh, pretty good in many units, two points. That's an investment. But that's maybe why I was thinking about those. Uh, jump
0: Yeah. And, and, again, I think a lot of it hinges on just how good Halland's cards are when you have that Kranigman affiliation. Yeah. Uh, you have to assume, based on what the developers have said, where the commander is relatively focused and the benefits for bringing his house units are pretty substantial, I have to think mm-hmm. that being a Kranigman unit is going to get you some pretty substantial bonuses. So I think that they've probably put a lot of thought into it. And I like your point about being able to charge. It's a point that I brought up, being able to ignore the rough. But also with these terrain pieces automatically making you disordered, it really throws a wrench in the gear of what Starks want to do. Yeah, yeah,
1: with the new rules for the turn pieces, indeed.
0: Sorry, excuse me, I misspoke. They're not necessarily always disordered, you just won't get your charge bonus for charging over the hindering piece, which is really, really huge. So, mm, It is. Okay, so we can move on from Jojen, and let's go straight into uh, what we've seen of Howland Reed. Um, obviously, we've seen that he's no longer an NCU commander, which is Bit, mm-hmm. Right. Um, they've also announced yeah, they won't that's not NCU commanders.
1: That's probably <laughs> the most dramatic news no, so far. There's no no NCU commanders.
0: Yeah, and that's a big change, and some people might be a little bit on the fence about that and hold some reservation as to how much they like that. Good change. Um, I think the three NCU meta has felt near mandatory for competitive gaming for some time now, and I won't say mandatory, but near-mandatory. And I just like the fact that it takes away the free activation, so it kind of just takes that temptation out of it, and it's just not an option. so. Uh, So we see his commander ability. He's got superior flanking. This one's interesting, because as we know, the most notorious superior flanker right now is Harma. Now, it is It shares the exact same name as Harma's Order. Now, as anybody who's played against Harma knows, plus three attack dice and vulnerable turns a unit that has no business uh, fighting an elite unit into a unit that can crush an elite unit. So what we see with Howland's version is if attacking the defender in the flank or rear, the defender becomes panicked and vulnerable. So this is similar to bushwhack that we see, but you're getting the vulnerable token instead of the weakened token. I feel like this is a lot more fair. And from what I... It seems like maybe the developers are trying to rein in some of these benefits that are giving you additional attack dice, and that's part of their effort to kind of end this one-shot meta. And this is something that they've mm, said, yeah. so I feel that it's really fair. This is still a really powerful ability, but is it going to allow you to take a unit of Sworn Swords or a unit of Cranadman trackers that really shouldn't even be charging or doing this type of damage because this would work on a as well. But if you could imagine Kranigman trackers getting 11 shots with rerolls in the flank and the defender's vulnerable, that's, there's a very good chance that they're dead. And that's coming from mm. a five-point hit with a one-point attachment to get you the re-roll to so six points. Eh. Doesn't really quite add up, right, because they're going to make a mess out of a seven, eight-point unit. So I'm happy with this change. I feel that that ability is really powerful, and I think it's fair. And then additionally, we also see that his Kranigman affiliation is an eight, cannot be shut off. I feel like maybe that one was just a little bit of an oversight when they got into stripping units' abilities. I think they probably didn't intend for you to be able to strip the affiliation, because it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, But either way, way. they've corrected it now. It's innate. It can't be shut off. It makes sense. So I'm happy with that. And then finally, we've got Disrupt. Now, this is different from Agile. So this becomes important because putting Howland into a unit of skirmishers as it stands would be minus two to hit if you're engaged. Now, Agile keywords range and melee, Disrupt will Against melee because they have to be engaged with you. But minus 2 to hit could be incredibly a press. Howland. It could be tempting to put him in bloody mummer skirmishers for that minus2. It's still a pretty fragile unit. And so with all of these bonuses that we've seen for having a field commander in the missions that they've shown us for 1.7, it's really tempting, but is minus2 to hit worth putting your commander in a unit with pretty terrible morale and defense? I don't know. Uh, They're probably going to explode pretty quickly. I think that putting him Mm -hmm. in something defensive like Blackguard or Tully Sworn Shield and giving them the minus one to hit is a better way to shore them up than putting him in something like the Bloody Mummer skirmishers. What do you think? What is your take? Yeah, with the
1: the Blackguard, I have to agree, or with any tanky unit, would be quite certain to hold on to an objective because uh, anyway having a minus one to hit to you if there's still a horrific visage you know it's a it's a bad deal going there and trying to grab that token that uh objective away from you so that would seem to be the most obvious synergy but yeah he, he's a he's a strong commander strong abilities lots of different views
0: for sure He's a very strong commander, and I think, I think that for the most part, people who have played war games, especially games, workshop games where you had Nurgle units doing minus one to hit, I think they kind of understand just how powerful that is, that there might be some that mm. didn't really have that experience, and they're going to learn really, really quickly that minus one to hit is absolutely amazing. In my opinion, it is hands down better than a plus one to defensive save. It's not even close. And then now mm. if you're taking a unit like the Blackguard or if we assume the Toly Sworn Shield still have three plus save, minus one to hit and a solid defense, which in this game three plus is almost as good as it gets, that unit is going to be tough to shift. It's going to be really, really hard mm. to push them off of an objective. So I am with you. Yeah. yeah. Do, do, think...
1: These kind of abilities can create situations where your opponents are like losing their hope that, but- oh, damn, there's nothing I can do in this situation. I cannot uh, break through this defense. And and uh, that can be really uh, demoralizing, and that can be a key to the victory. Of course, there's always retreat, but then again, that, that's when you already made a couple of major mistakes and that can turn, turn a game.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um getting your opponent mentally staggered is one very, very good way to make them start making mistakes. And in a game that's as precise as this game is, that can turn so quickly uh, with some very, very key plays, tilting your opponent and getting them off of their, their normal game is going to generally work out in your favor, especially if they're making really, really risky plays, probably to your benefit. So, I see Howland being able to do that, so he might just end up being kind of like what Jon Snow veterans were in 1.4. You just don't even mm-hmm. go mess with them because you're just going to get really disappointed. So maybe I'm wrong, but that's yeah. what I see. Let, so. well, let's see what comes mm-hmm. out. And the
1: disrupt word is saying a lot here, so you can really disrupt your enemies' battle plans. <laughs> yeah. so yes,
0: that's, you that's can. a good way to say. So, moving on, let's look at his generic NCU. So, they said, I can't remember if they said every commander who was once an NCU got a generic NCU as well. I'm pretty sure that's what they said. But, for sure, yeah, that's, that's going to be MCM. interesting because we have some uh, commander NCUs who
1: already have NCUs, for example, Daenerys Targaryen.
0: Yeah, yeah, they might not have written that then. Um, I don't have the article in front of me to look at it, but as I said, we know for sure that Howland has a generic NCU, and it is a phenomenal generic NCU. Um, so Howland, he is the protector of the neck. Sorry, I couldn't read it. Uh, Hunter's Guile, <laughs> influence. When this unit Hunter's claims Gile. a zone, attach this card to a combat unit until the end of the round. While influencing an enemy unit, that, enemy attacks, that enemy's attacks suffer minus one to hit, and they treat all terrain as having the hindering and rough keywords. Okay, a mouthful. Minus one to hit, we've just sat here and talked about how amazing minus one to hit is. Um, this is another instance where it could stack with Agile. Um, obviously, if you're bringing yeah. his NCU, you can't stack it with his commander's ability, but... Potentially taking a unit and making them minus one to hit when they're fighting something like bloody mum or skirmishers is going to make them pull their Mm -hmm. hair out. Um, Even units that are hitting on threes are going to get very frustrated just trying to score hits. And then his second ability, uh, that enemy treats all terrain as having hindering and rough keywords. That could get really interesting. Um, Turning a forest into hindering and rough. It's got a really big footprint. Turning a weirwood tree, Mm -hmm. which your opponent probably placed down to protect himself, into something that's going to hurt him. uh, And it doesn't hurt you. (laughs) It's really good. Mm -hmm. I think this is kind of, this is probably flying a little under the radar for how good it is compared to Hunter's Guile because we already know how great that ability is. But messing yeah. with the terrain on the board and making it basically a defensive tool for you is going to be huge.
1: Yeah, I think this is a great fluff here. This is really like a granite trap happening, so that the nice piece of terrain suddenly becomes a trap and becomes a a problem. And of course, the five point NGU you are very expensive, but you get you know you get both. The tactics shown on 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 the tactics board, and then you get all of this definitely worth worth every point, and you can really ruin a really expensive
0: unit performance. So um, yeah, yeah because I'm seeing, I'm seeing something scary like Knights of Castle Rock or some form of unit that's meant to charge in and do a bunch of damage and I'm seeing them minus yep. one to hit, and then when they charge you through this weirwood tree or this forest, they're not getting their rerolls on top of that. That charge yep. is just going to fall flat.
1: Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, there okay. are so many, so many really- nine-point nine units, and you can mess them up, so that's, that's, that's strong.
0: Yep. And so, of course, we've seen Jockins NCU being able to copy influences, the internet kind of went wild over that, imagining bringing Jockin mm-hmm. along with Howland and copying Howland's influence. Obviously, that would be phenomenal. So uh, we don't really need to go over that one. Um, I think they covered it last week. So we'll move on to the yeah. next start bit, which is the Umber Champion at one point. Now, in fairness, this guy has been sitting on the shelf, but it's not because he isn't good, right? If this guy was in any army but starts, you would see him all over the place. He's not being used yeah. because when Starks are buying attachments, they're buying dire rules. So hmm. that's unfortunate for him because his current form is actually amazing. Um, but with that said, we see order insight. When this unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, this attack gains vicious and rolls its highest attack die value. Now this is something that you kind of see throughout what we've Seen, they're rolling their highest attack die value instead of, um, instead of rolling at their highest rank or counting as an extra rank. This is probably because they had Berserkers in mind when they designed it, which we'll get to them in just mm-hmm. a second, but uh, gaining Vicious and rolling your highest attack die value, and it looks like you don't have any penalty for doing that, is pretty good. If you remember Alistair... Mm. When he initially came out, he had Insight. Uh, this uh, same name. You have to assume this is a version of Alicers, but this one doesn't punish you. Uh, additionally, Harma's Bannerman mm-hmm. has it. You have to take D3 wounds to get that Vicious and rolling the highest. died yeah. this doesn't have a penalty, so that's pretty good. Uh, I think we've all come to appreciate how heavy panic damage can can weigh on your army, and then adding Vicious is obviously... Essentially adding panic damage. Uh, it's making it very likely that they fail.
1: Yeah, I think this is a good example of, of the logic or the philosophy of, of what they're designing. That, for example, berserkers, they might not be one shot in units, but with this attachment, they'll be really performing every round. And of course, highest attack value with berserkers is going to it will continue to be the higher higher number even if they have full ranks. So it's still going to be nine. But I think this would now work with quite a few other other units as well because what it delivers is a steady melee performance. Um, One point, yeah, that's a bargain.
0: Yeah, it's, exactly. So we'll just jump straight into Berserkers uh, and we can mix what we've just talked about with what the Berserkers are bringing to the table. They are now six points. I know that when they were initially leaked, some people on Discord missed that they were six points. Uh, They were having a little bit of a I I don't want to say a meltdown, but some people were pretty upset that it looked like Berserkers just got nerfed, and whether that's deserved or not, we won't go into it, but between you and I, it's deserved, but (laughs) yeah. Berserkers just did a lot. And now, this, what's, what's mm-hmm. changed about them? They're not even really bad. They're not bad at all. No, so what they're you, not bad at all. What you've got is movement six, uh, same defensive save of five. Their morale went to a five plus instead of a four plus. They are swinging seven, eight, nine times with their berserker axes, and they're starting with a four plus. Then you look at the berserker act ability gain plus one to hit for each of this unit's destroyed ranks. So they're not starting on threes, and they've lost Sundering, and they've lost one attack die. But again, we've seen every unit lose some attack dice. So no surprise that Berserkers are not 8, 9, 10 anymore. And then they gained un This unit suffers minus one wound from failing panic tests for each of its destroyed ranks. So at second rank, they're hitting on threes with eight dice, and they are taking D3 minus one wounds for failing panic. At last rank, they're swinging with nine dice. They're hitting on twos, and they're taking D3 minus two from failing panic. So even if they fail a panic on average at the last rank, they're not going to take any additional wounds unless there's some other effects that are adding to the panic damage. Pretty solid. Um, It is pretty solid. A shining
1: example of Stark being extremely dangerous at the last rank.
0: Exactly, And that's, that's what they said they were going to shape starts to really reflect, and this is a very strong case of them making that point, right? So
1: mm, it um, is. I guess you gain becoming such that you know the victory hangs on a balance, and it's just about if you're able to finish off the stock unit before they wipe you out. So that's the that's, that's kind of a vision I have in my mind looking
0: up these exactly and then if you look at the umber uh, champion as an attachment you we were talking about how they've lost some of their alpha strike potential charging in at full ranks with nine attack dice and vicious even though you're hitting on fours can still be pretty nasty and technically it can still destroy a unit Um, you can do 12 wounds with that these guys seem like they are just going to be great at erasing lower defensive units Paul was free people, free folk. Yeah. yeah, they should do a number on on the free folk. I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But they're also yeah, fast. Yeah, it's a so it's they, still they, amazing they, they, unit
1: at six points. It's a very good six point unit. For six points, I, I would take it.
0: Absolutely, I would. I would run them, and then if you consider that, so I would, that you I can would run them power, now. <laughs> If you can put the Umber Champion in them, you get back to seven points, and there's arguably maybe maybe not quite as good, but still really, really good.
1: Mm. And there isn't really that much, if any, Vicious with Starks, and now they finally get it with the Umber Champion.
0: Yeah, they've got it with the old version, but they had to take wounds to do it, so... Yeah, like, but, yeah um, this version seems this version seems a little bit better because it's got kind of a Catlin effect to it too, right? Rolling the mm. highest attack dice.
1: No, that's what they say in the article. But the yeah, attachment get an ever so light bonus or bump up or uplift. But I think this is a good example
0: that you, you don't get yep. any negative, but you get a really good order. Exactly, and so I. Personally, now I dip my toe in Starks a little bit. Um, I kind of bounce back and forth between them and Night's Watch at the moment for my choice for tournaments. But as Mm -hmm. as a Stark player, I'm happy with these guys. And I'm happy with this attachment. So, moving on to Sansa. Ability has the same name, repeating the words. Sansa begins the game with two order tokens on her. When Sansa claims a zone, you may remove one order token from her. If you do, replace that zone's effect with... Return one tactics card from your discard pile to your hand.
1: Once again, very much worth the four points. I think it's a very good thing that starts or nobody will have two or three point NCU's. No, well, nobody will have three point NCU's anymore. I, I, I also would like to see the meta moving towards two NCU's instead of three. And well, yeah, thumbs up. Has always been very good. Now, now she can do twice the thing she used to do.
0: And, yeah. Uh, so she you know. she she's got to replace the zone, which uh, some people are grumbling about a little bit. But it's a really good effect, even if it's a zone replacement. Returning cards from the dead is really, really strong, um, especially Maybe. when they start to have cards like they have. Them. So I would mm, exactly would with spend, the stock stick. There's been a number of times I had an NCU to activate. The crown was open. It was like, well, don't really want to use the crown. I wish I had a sudden charge or something like this. But, hey, if you've got Sansa, go get your sudden charge back. So I don't think it's that bad, replacing a zone. I think it's fair, and she can do it twice now. So I think they've done a really nice job of rounding her out. Taking away the anytime trigger Mm -hmm. was really something that needed to happen. I'm pretty sure... I think it's about 97% of start lists include Sansa right now. So that Mm -hmm. tells you how powerful she is.
1: Yeah, and this is a good example that you get a really good bonus because, like you said, retrieving a card can be totally powerful, but you have to pay the price.
0: And I I would pay this price any day. I fully agree and couldn't agree more. Uh, I think it's 100% fair. And it's right around the power level where it probably should have always been. Mm-hmm. So let's. I think we're going to see rival. her in the future as well. I think you will. I totally agree. So we'll move on to the Starks' rival, the Lannisters. Now this was kind of an mm-hmm. Easter egg. Uh, his Jaime's commander, I'm sorry, was an Easter egg in the rulebook. Uh, we don't have his cards, but we saw that he's got Agile and Counter Strike. Uh, but they have yep. shown us Jamie's two point attachment. The Young Lion, this I really, really love. I still have a place in my heart for Lannisters, just not running them in tournaments at the moment. But Jamie Lannister, Order, Martial Training. When this unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, this attack may reroll any attack dice and the defender becomes vulnerable. Stalwart, this unit gains plus two to morale test rolls. Now, we've seen Stalwart in the current meta. We know how powerful it is. They've also indicated in this article where they covered Jamie that stalwart is going to be an ability that's relatively rare. So the fact yeah. that Jamie Lannister has it feels really thematic. Uh, I like it. It makes a lot of sense. It probably should be something reserved for the bravest, the boldest, and, and those with the most renown in Westeros. So I like that. Uh, his order, martial <laughs> training. Exactly. His order, martial training. Uh, immediately, I think of halberds because we've seen halberds. I don't really know everything the mountains been do. They haven't showed us that, but we know that halberds, and now they can use set for charge <laughs> in the flank, which is really powerful, but we'll actually get to halberds here in a moment. But thundering and um, being able to reroll your attack dice and make the opponent vulnerable, really, really strong. Uh, the trigger allows you to use this order on the set for charge. So potentially having so, yeah, seven two attacks, different triggers.
1: That's... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That is it did the same or different trigger? But if it's if it's a different trigger, that's a that's a deadly combo.
0: Yes, it's a different trigger. Um, set for charge is when this unit is successfully charged, and then um, the. Martial training is when they attack before rolling attack dice, so you can pair them together. So now you charge into this unit, and you think that you've got something going on, and then suddenly they should be mathematically hitting you five to seven attack dice. Should be close to five, but even if it's four, four hits with thundering and uh, they're vulnerable, you can pretty reliably take a rank off of them, unless there's yeah, something really, really starting. Yeah. Really
1: yeah. I think this is an, another example of where you'd really need to consider. Is it worth going there? Exactly. Uh, consider if if there's uh, some influence that would give a minus one to the attacking
0: unit going against this, ah, forget it. No yeah, point. exactly could end up doing more damage to yourself than you do to them because Jamie's unit would be stalwart, and Halberds are relatively defensive with a 4-plus defense and a 6-up morale. Now that's effectively a 4-plus morale. Probably not doing a lot of panic damage to them. You would need a lot of modifiers. Uh, And then with set for charge, if you're charging in the flank, they can turn to face you. So it might end up just being a really bad decision to charge into them. But I really, I really like, like it. Like it's it. Jamie, and it makes sense. Jamie needs to be powerful. I love his model. I want to see him on the field.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is like, come at me, bro.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: students, yeah. All, right. uh, all of this what we're seeing is, is, is making a good story. It's making, it's bringing out the narrative, and you just have to, I, you know, you just have to love it.
0: Really good design work. Yep. yep. Um, I agree. I like the fluff that they're adding to some of these, and it seems like they are doing. Um, I'm sure that they were always looking for the theme, but uh, they're mentioning in some of their articles that they're working with the themes as well, and they really want these named characters to stand out. So they've mentioned that named character attachment should be more powerful than a generic attachment yep. at equal cost. So Jamie, his abilities might be two and a half points uh, combined. Uh, I'm not sure how you rate Stalwart. I rate it really high because I hate failing panic tests. Mm-hmm. But uh, martial training on its own is pretty powerful. So, but it makes sense because it's Jamie. There's only one Jamie. Period. You can't stack characters in different forms, so they should be very powerful. Um, Stalwart so yeah, is very to, and
1: game winning because we have many game modes where you would drop drop the objective if you fail your morale. So that's yep. really powerful. Not just, up. you know, taking damage, but, uh, you know,
0: scoring points. Yep, or, or if they end up outranking you after the attack, right, which is um, another yeah, exactly. reason to put them in then halberds, because if you take a rank off of them, now they've got to take two ranks off of you, which is going to be really tough yeah. to do. When they're stalwart and their defense is just perfectly average. So, um, yeah. Moving on to a generic attachment, we see the guard captain. This guy got a relatively good rework, in my opinion. Uh, this is another one that some people are kind of on the fence about and maybe a little bit upset, but I think it guy is amazing. So, guard mm-hmm. captain, this unit gains plus one to panic test rolls and suffers minus one wound from failing panic test. Um, so, a miniature version of Stalwart, and then the panic is obviously going to be D3 minus one. This, I like him better situationally. Granted, you don't have the caveat of passing the morale test as it pertains to holding on to a token, but you do get a steady plus one to your morale uh, as long as this guy's alive and your abilities aren't shut off. And a D3 minus one remembering that the guard captain forces you to take a wound to pass the panic test. So unless you roll a 2 or a 3 on your panic roll, he's actually better at the wounds that he's saving you from the panic test because if they roll a 1, you just don't take any wounds. And I like the reliability of having the plus 1 to defensive save uh, because you're assuming that this guy goes in guardsmen, and the way that guardsmen die is by being overwhelmed uh, and then they have to take multiple morale tests, and it's usually the panic damage that gets the guardsmen more so than getting past their defensive save. True. So I think yeah, he's a great I think fit. This is
1: pretty, this is pretty solid. One, I think he's again, got a place. One point, one point attachment.
0: Yeah. I think he's got a place just like the guard captain has now. If you've got a point for him, name a unit that doesn't want protection from panic. You can't, so he goes well anywhere. If that's how you want to build your list, Uh, we saw the Pyromancers before. They got a change to a uh, 6-plus morale, so this guy could make them effectively a 5-plus and reduce some of the panic damage they take. They stay at 7 attacks until the last rank, so he could be very good in Pyromancers just for keeping them alive so that they can do some of the devastating damage that they do. So I really like the guy.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it's it's pretty good now that there are other uses for him than just always being in those Lannister Supremacy units.
0: Exactly. Which has also changed. Yes, which doesn't require you to pass a morale test anymore, so he still fits in them like a glove because, as I mentioned, when they're overwhelmed, it's the panic damage that's crumbling them down. You can reduce the panic damage and increase your odds of passing panic, and it's not an order, so you will get that throughout the end of the round. Every round, well, you'll get it as long as they're alive and not shut off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's pretty. So, good. the Lannister Halberds, talked about them a little bit. The real changes to these guys they went to back to 774, which is I think that's what they were initially, it might have been 773, but they lost an attack dice, which seems to be pretty standard for strong units. Uh, and then they've got their order set for charge. The only difference is you can now trigger set for charge if you are unengaged and charged from the flank. That's pretty powerful because, of course, it comes with the implication that you can turn to face your opponent if they've charged you in the flank. True.
1: Yeah, I think it's that's that's a significant set change on on that uh, order. I can uh, imagine, like having a couple of uh, two Lannister halberdier units, and you know, really making a bunker, really making a kind of a square to do in, in the Napoleonic Wars to protect infantry, to protect themselves against cavalry attacks. And these these guys, uh, and with, the, with 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 the attachments we've seen, yeah, really tactical units. And beforehand, they were. It, it was actually quite easy to to flank them with cavalry. So now it's it's really strong.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not quite as easy, and they'll be able to turn around and face you. So the cavalry that's charging in might lose those flank bonuses. So they've got to think twice before they charge their cavalry in first. Of course, you um, if you turn to face them to make your attack, you're probably giving your flank up. As well, but we will have to see how this one plays out. But I will be very happy to see Halberds on the table.
1: Mm. So, and I, I'm playing a lot of Targaryens. And if you think about the basic unit, the six-point creamer unit, they have no no place to go, attacking against these guys.
0: Because no, there's no safety. There. You, you,
1: you need to go in and get out fast again after you destroyed. Them. And it's not going to happen with these
0: guys. Yeah, fully agree. So we're moving on to Cersei. Her ability is playing the game as opposed to no confidence. Uh, Cersei begins the game with two order tokens. When Cersei claims a zone, you may remove one order token from her. If you do, perform the following. If you control the crown, search your tactics deck or discard pile for one Hear Me Roar card and add it to your hand. If you control the money bag, search your tactics deck or discard pile for one subjugation of power card and add it to your hand. Shuffle your tactics deck. Uh, So obviously, anytime you go into your deck, you are shuffling your deck back. Um, Interestingly, this implies that you need to shuffle your tactics deck even if you go into the discard pile. Um, I don't really see the point of doing that. (laughs) I'm sure that some people will discuss it, but... It's just kind of, you're kind of just playing around with words there. Um, it's yeah. pretty obvious that if you search your deck, you need to shuffle the deck. If you search the discard pile, you don't need to shuffle the deck. But with that said, um, this, this uh, so we've um, seen Subjugation of Power. It's, uh, some, it's a powerful some level of control, uh, it's stripping abilities from a unit when they activate for it's stripping the abilities for the turn on a unit when they activate, if they fail a morale test and it suffers penalties based on you controlling the money bag and the crown. So it can be pretty good. You can strip them of their offensive abilities. Um, I guess technically we've seen Raiders. So you could strip Raiders of insignificance and then make them really, 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 really think twice. About attacking something that's got the ability to kill them on their own turn. So, something like skirmishers, charging into halberds, or something with horrific visage, uh, you yep. can still strip the insignificant from them at that point. Unless it was innated, it might have been. I don't have the card in front of me. But that said, um, stripping them of their offensive abilities is always pretty strong. Uh, you can take something like that Umber Champion away. Um, and you can make the Berserkers be stuck hitting on fours. And I'm just using Starks as this example because you kind of always think about that Stark-Lannister match and how they into each other. That's always a classic matchup, always fun to watch. So um, I think she's got merit. Uh, interestingly, if you control the crown and you control the money bag, you would be able to get one of each of those cards. Um, Hear Me mm-hmm. Roar obviously can be devastating. Uh, so it seems like the Cersei to the crown play could still be pretty valid um, because mm-hmm. uh, assuming, you know, you get the the panic token from Hear Me Roar uh, and then doing more penalties because of that card plus the crown, uh, it could be interesting. Uh, maybe the Cersei bomb becomes a thing again. What do you think? Yeah, I think it definitely
1: got. You, you need to set it up a bit more because I'll it was so automatic before. Uh So you, you definitely need to set it up and, and you really need to play those zones and your, your opponent really needs to be blocking those zones. So I think understanding the tactics board and, and understanding what your opponent can do with it becomes more and more important with these kind of cards and with these kinds of uh, use. And that—that uh, that is, I uh, think, death is the game. That's, that's what I think. Yep. And if—if if I'm calculating it right, yeah. you can come up with like minus five your model test. That sounds pretty horrible. Yeah. With uh, substitution I... for power cars. Because you have well, both of those zones. For each zone you control among crown and money back, they suffer minus two to their role. So that can be minus four. And then if you also have have, um, hear me roar, I don't know if that can be played. This is when an enemy combat unit activates. Uh, Hear me roar is probably when they make a model. Once again, two different triggers.
0: If you follow me. Yeah, no, nope, I totally understand, and uh, it, seems like a, it seems like it could be a pretty good card, but I think Lannister's focusing on control, it seems to make sense, and then being able to pull it back with mm-hmm. Cersei. Uh, we'd have to see kind of the whole, whole picture to see just how powerful it is, I think we'll have to wait a little while. Uh, once the meta starts to shake up, and you start to see what people are bringing, to decide how powerful it is. But on the surface, it seems like a pretty powerful card. And it, it does require. Again, I think it, require...
1: This, this is more interesting to play with because now it's not just you know an automatic minus two or minus three. Exactly. If you're taking the crown zone. Yep, so it, it I takes fully more agree. People to play, which is always good. I
0: think Cersei actually got scarier when Panic changed to the flat D3 than she ever was, but that is my opinion on it. Um, So that's all of the Lannisters, so we'll move on to the last subject that we have today, and that's Night's Watch. And we will start with Corrin Halfhand. Uh, This is his Grizzled Ranger attachment. He is two points, infantry attachment still. Uh, His first ability, Order to the Last, when This unit is destroyed. This unit performs one morale test. On a success, it is not destroyed, but remains in play with one wound, then becomes panicked and vulnerable. Then you've got go-down fighting, which this is another one you've seen in the current game, but it looks like it got toned down. Each time a rank in this unit is destroyed, one enemy they are engaged with suffers one wound. Obviously, the current form makes it D3 wounds when you control the combat zone. I'm pretty happy uh, go down fighting is pretty oppressive. Um, obviously, I get it when I run Rick and an Osha. Doesn't really mm-hmm. feel great when my opponent attacks me, kills a couple of ranks, and then his punishment is taking five to six wounds. Uh, doesn't really feel right. Um, I, I think it's the... being extremely powerful. Yeah. yeah. And on the Free Folk side, Steyer having it. Uh don't I don't really like it. He's usually in raiders. It's important to get rid of the free folk commander. Um, the fact that he can punish you so badly for attacking him, on top of all the other auto wounds that they already do. I just feel yeah. like Steyer is too strong in all of his forms. But as a general rule, I don't like go down fighting uh, in the current form. The ability to have to do the D3 wounds, it makes it. It puts you sometimes in such a bad position because you really need to kill this unit, but if they own the swords, you almost can't do it because you can't afford to take those wounds. I don't like elements of the game that punish you when you're doing things that you need to do to play the game and to win the game. Um, I've been pretty vocal about that. I'll be vocal about it again. I should not be punished for making smart moves, and doing things that I need to do to win the game. And go down fighting is one that punishes you a lot. When it's doing one wound, pretty fine, but D3 wounds for destroying a rank, a little bit too much, because they have ways to heal, and then do that damage to you again. Mm-hmm. But with that... Yeah, said, I think this is a good,
1: good example of how this game is now changing. They're they are, um, taking those one-shots away so it's going to be more about grinding and of course in the meanwhile you might be healing and this is not an order anymore so so you keep on grinding and this is an extra damage um, you give give your opponent when they are attacking you so I think it's better like this it was a bit too dramatic like you said so it, 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 uh, it fits well the current sort of design philosophy calling as a whole um, out of everything we've seen is probably the one I was like not excited but uh, this is obviously something I need to play before I can say what's my final verdict but my, my sort of first instant reaction was not not very impressed what do you think
0: I like it. So, so, one of the things that came up on Discord uh, after this card was leaked, there were people saying that since the trigger is when the unit is destroyed, that Corrin would technically be destroyed, and so it seemed almost self-defeating because if he's destroyed, then he can't use the order. The fact of the matter is, <laughs> when the unit is destroyed, is just your trigger, and then the effect that happens afterward destroyed if they pass the morale test. Um, Mm -hmm. It just seems redundant to type when this unit would be destroyed. So they're just giving you that general trigger. It does not mean that Corrin is destroyed. So not only Mm -hmm. if you pass the morale test, would the unit stay alive? Corrin would be the one that stays alive. That's why it's an order used once per round. Uh, If he died when the unit died, it would be pointless to make it an order. It would be a one-time once per game ability. Obviously, it's not yeah. so. That's just a little bit of a misinterpretation there. That said, this is mm-hmm. similar to "It Shall Not End Until My Death," but the the unit becomes panicked and vulnerable. So they're probably pretty easy to kill after they stay alive. Yeah. So that's, that's it seems that's why really powerful. So excited about it. Yeah, it's powerful because they can stay alive. Uh, It's going to depend when this happens. If it happens at the top Mm. of the round, they've taken the swords, and then you've got the opportunity to heal them and then remove one of those tokens immediately after, it's probably pretty good because then they have to deal with this unit again. Maybe they don't have the resources to continue attacking this unit. Maybe they really needed them to die so that they could charge another unit that they really needed to contain, something like this. I think any time you've got an ability that keeps a unit from being destroyed, it's going to be pretty good. So I think he's good. Uh, we will see, probably depending on what his NCU is and what his NCU does, uh, would indicate just how much we'll see Corrin, because right now yeah, there's just no way that um, Corrin's attachment gets used because his NCU is just so good.
1: Yeah. That's that's how it is, and I think uh, with Night Nightwatch faction, this is of course uh, probably this is a better card or better attachment because they can certainly heal up more than more than other factions or more than yeah, most other think, factions. So, makes sense.
0: I think he's good, and hopefully, he will see some play. Uh, moving on to the watch captain. This guy is just...
1: Hey, 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 Be careful with what you hope. Do you really want the the NCU calling to lose that ability? That game-winning ability?
0: Uh, you know, I can't say that. I just hope that... Um, I just hope that we see some flexibility and some list variety. I can't remember the last time... Yeah. Really, I saw a competitive Night's Watch list that didn't have corn in at least one of them. So a Night's Watch pairing exactly. generally has corn in at least one list. A lot of the times he's in both, just because he's so good. Mm-hmm. I love Night's Watch. There's no secret about that. And even as a Night's Watch lover, I don't like something being auto-include. I like to see flexibility. Mm-hmm. I like to see different lists. I don't like to go into an opponent, it's a Night's Watch versus Night's Watch, and it's, oh, hey, look, it's an exact mirror match. We're running the exact same list. This is awesome. (laughs) So moving on to the Watch Captain, Order, Relentless. This guy's three points. Uh, He's badass for three points, but (laughs) Relentless, start of a friendly turn. This unit performs one attack or maneuver action. Do not activate a unit this turn. Boldness and courage working for melee and ranged. Each time this unit attacks, if it has full ranks, it gains plus one attack die. Otherwise, otherwise it is treated as having plus one rank for attack die. I think powers. what
1: we're seeing here is, is something really, really important. This attachment combined with the Watch Marshal solo, this is the solution to play Night Watch. It's a really re- elite army, as, as you've been saying, and it's, that's the way you see it, and that's the way I see it, too. And with these watch captains and those watch marshal solos, you can you can build up your activations. And, and these other relentless, now you can attack or you can maneuver. This is extremely good. And, and um, I can't wait to play my unsullied officer, with this new version of Relentless,
0: Yeah, this guy just looks phenomenal. Uh, The flexibility to maneuver or make an attack action means that his ability can't... can't, It can't be wasted, like what you see with the Unsullied officer right now. Um, If you've got him in a unit like Unsullied and you don't have somebody to attack, then what can you do? This guy is always giving you the ability to do something. So essentially he is an extra activation because if you're engaged, you can make an attack. Exactly. If you're not engaged, you can always make a maneuver. So this is awesome. This is really good. Uh, I
1: have an experience with the Ansalid. I had the officer there. I played several games. I never got to use it because either I had already killed the enemy or they were retreating because they, they saw that I still have uh, the relentless order to play, and they were totally yep. not staying there so this is yeah. this is a really good one because yep. it was not worth paying those three points because it, you really didn't get to use it that often. Nope. nope. I use girls I when, use I, him when I played Tom crow archers
0: but <laughs> which they have long range. That worked yeah. as well, too. I had him in our, uh, Stormcrow Archers initially, and then I kind of reworked the list to get some Bastard Girls with the Unsullied Officer in there. Mm. Um, um. Next, we have Jor Mormont, the Old Bear. Another change to his NCU. Uh, duty to the Realms of Men. Each time Jor claims his own, choose one. Target two friendly Night's Watch combat units. Move one friendly attached tactics card from one of those units to the other. Or, replace that zone effect with search your tactics card or discard pile for one tactics card that can be attached to a unit, and attach it to a friendly Night's Watch unit. Shuffle your deck. Uh, without the whole deck, kind of a lot of guessing and speculation, but mm. I think we've seen the general idea of what they do with vows. I can't imagine with unlimited vows, they would be as strong as they are now, but Uh, I see a lot of flexibility in switching the vows from one friendly unit to another. And, of course, as always, being able to go through your deck or your discard pile to find a card, in my opinion, especially early game, is always going to be something worth doing.
1: Hmm. Yeah, if we would be playing this drawer with the current vows, then this would be extremely powerful. Recycling your your shields or your swords, uh, but yeah, uh, this is Absolutely. also a, another example of the taking a bit of a skill to play very well, and and uh, yeah, definitely brings more depth to to playing
0: Nightwatch, which has already a million. There's... Sorry, is somebody else talking? There's been several times when I played Night's Watch that I would have given anything to have this ability because the Shield Mm -hmm. of the Realms of Men was stuck on a unit that was just babysitting an objective. They had taken the damage that they needed to take and won that fight, and now they're off on an island. Nobody's attacking them, so the Shield is wasted. Uh, This would have been phenomenal to be able to switch a card like Shield back over to another combat unit. So I'm seeing Jor. His current NCU is really good. Um, he's not super popular as, as Corrin is, but he's still pretty popular, especially when running Conscripts. Um, so mm-hmm. hopefully that trend of seeing Dior on the table continues. Uh, I really like Dior, so I think he should be used. And it looks like, from what we can tell, this is a pretty useful ability. So moving on to the it Thorn is. brothers, and this is our final topic. Uh, these guys got mm-hmm. a little bit of a rework, but I really like it. Um, this is another polarizing change. Uh, you've had some guys on Facebook and some guys in the Discord saying, well, they've they've nerfed Sworn Brothers. They're not very good. Uh, why did they do this? It's not justified. Such and such and such. Uh, they've already been had a point added to them and yada, yada, yada. That said, mm-hmm. these guys are amazing. Uh, they've still got seven five four attack dice uh which is down from eight six four but again it's on par with what you're expecting with what they're saying is happening in Mm
1: 1.7
0: and they've gotten a bump to morale now in the article concerning night's watch fabio said that the average morale value for night's watch is going to be five um i think it makes sense because they live on the wall they go into the wild they see giants uh mammoths other horrible things they've seen all of their friends die uh, they've seen bears eat their friends they've seen them get trapped and just die a horrible death what should they really be afraid of so it mm-hmm. makes sense for them to have a high morale across the board especially if they are functioning as the elite army they should not be turning around and running away deserting in the night's watch the penalty for that is death right yeah, yeah, that's something. So, so from a flump perspective, they shouldn't really be running away too often. So I'm happy mm-hmm. with the change to morale. They've still got thundering, and they've got the martial training order. So what they've become is people, people focus on spike damage, things like critical blow and sundering. They focus on the times yep. that they rolled 13 hits and blew a unit apart. They don't focus on the fact that on average – with 8 attack dice, even with critical blows and re-rolls, you're probably normally getting 7 to 9 hits, 10 sometimes. When you go above that, you're probably rolling pretty well above average. Some people have this kind of spoiled mentality where with 8 attack dice hitting on 3s, they're always hitting all 8 times. They're not going to roll a 1 or a 2 twice, and they're always having three sixes in the mix. Not really reality. Them losing critical blows for me is fine because I would rather have the reroll and the vulnerable token. This way, if I've got a support unit like Ranger Trackers, they don't have to throw out a vulnerable token to make my Sworn Brothers offensive. The Sworn Brothers can do it for themselves. Or I can double tap with the vulnerable token by using something like the Ranger Trackers and then using their own order off of the swords, and then you're vulnerable twice. So, and I've got rerolls on one of them. Or I can use the Ranger Tracker to set my shot up. I charge in, I punch you. Then I use my order while we're engaged, and I get rerolls again. So, pretty powerful. I think these guys are going Mm -hmm. to be a blender unit, um, just like they are now, but we're going to forget some of the spike damage. It's not the yeah. end of the world that they don't have spike damage. A unit that has sundering probably really shouldn't have critical blow anyway. It's just too much potential damage, leans too much into really lucky dice, blowing something up that it really shouldn't have. So, I'm happy with this. Mm.
1: Yeah, and you know, this is one of the... There, there will not be that many units that are hitting on three, five. And, and these are... These guys are almost always re rolling their attack. So they are dishing out a steady flow of damage or wounds, actually, because it's thundering and the enemy is vulnerable. So so it, it's going to be, it's easily going to be uh, with full ranks, maybe with some attachments, adding some, some bonuses. It's going to be uh, half a unit gone when
0: they attack. hmm. And now imagine these guys <laughs> that watch captain. I've had some guys hey, tell captain. me that, they, that they've tested these out because we've seen the full spoiler for the Sworn Brothers. We've seen the full spoiler for the watch captain. <laughs> They're just YOLOing out there, which I totally 100% fully encourage everybody who's listening and everybody who's playing. Sometimes the game seems a little bit stale right now in 1.6. If you want to change up, just take what you know and just go play. Um, some people are saying, oh, well, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that in a tournament. <laughs> you shouldn't take in a, like, in an actual tournament where, where it counts and people have their kind of like their, their pride and whatever on the line, maybe some prizes. You probably don't want to start mixing and matching 1. 1.7, 1. 1.6, but if it's you and your friends, go play the game. <laughs> you, they're your toys. Mm-hmm. You own them. You've painted them. Demon is awesome enough to give us rules for free. Go play, yeah. play what you want and have a little bit of fun, even if it—even mm. if it's taken out of context and like, man, that was stupidly powerful because you know, Sword in the Darkness gave these stupid sworn brothers nine attacks and it was just terrible. <laughs> and maybe it yeah. doesn't do that anymore. Maybe Sword in the Darkness doesn't even exist because we saw Light in the Darkness, which maybe replaces Sword in the Darkness. So, but with that said, what's the harm? Mm-hmm. You played a game; nothing was on the line. Go play and have fun with your friends. In our community,
1: in our community, we've already discussed that maybe we should now immediately implement some of the units that are like nobody plays them at the moment. Thinking of Mr. Friend Zone, thinking of Source Riders. Exactly. And you know, play them. Play them and have fun. Better now. Yeah. Play them. Play with your friends. Have uh, fun. yeah exactly. I played more than thirty years, and I really love this philosophy that everything should be playable and and they are now downtoning the power creep if there was any any such thing and, and uh, yeah with this, this many years in wargaming you just gotta love this. This is better than anything before and, and I'm not just talking about the rules, I am talking about the approach.
0: Yep. So um, I, I I agree. I'm I, I'm happy with the direction. It looks like things are going. Um, obviously you're always going to have a teeter totter. You're going to have the little seesaw. Um, you know what was weak is strong. What was strong is weak. Maybe not weak, but <laughs> they can try. I mean, you can do everything that you can, but it's you're never going to have perfect balance where everything is equally good and playable but what it seems like what they are doing is they're giving you tools and options and they're taking the units and giving them a very specific role and because of that you should see a lot of variety because you don't we don't know yet what our opponents are bringing we don't know yet what is trending to be popular the exciting thing about mm. new brand new 1.7 is for now, it's going to be everybody's own interpretation of what's good. So now, currently in 1.6, you're, you're like, well, I have to get my activation count up, so I need X number of units to mm. even be competitive, and I need this. But you don't know what that's like in 1.7. So you might have some yeah. people still expanding.
1: Spam- what do you think will happen
0: on, on that activation span? Will it, will it go uh, away or will it be toned down? I'm relatively certain that they know that activation spam is a problem. And I'm relatively certain Mm -hmm. that what we're seeing with these elite units and attachments being so powerful is a good way to address that. Because if we've seen Lannister Guardsmen, we've seen that they hit like a sack of potatoes. Um, So -hmm. if you're running, and we've seen that the High Sparrow is not giving you an activation. So if you're going to run something like, four or five units of Guardsmen? Uh, Where are you finding points to bring two NCUs and something that can actually kill? Because it seems to Mm -hmm. me like this game focuses a lot on holding objectives, and Guardsmen are about as fast as, uh, yeah, nothing. So um, Mm if you beat them to the objective and you refuse to attack them, how much damage are you really doing with Guardsmen? You know? Um, exactly. so it seems like they've considered these things and they, they've balanced things with that in mind plus not to mention the Zorse Riders we've seen they can just come into the flank of Guardsmen with eight attacks, critical blows and they don't care one tiny bit about Lannister supremacy so if you're mm-hmm. putting attachments in the Guardsmen to help them save panic damage there's now six points so I think that they are going to address the activation thing by making these elite units so attractive and so powerful that maybe this 10-point unit of Sworn Brothers that we're talking about with the Watch Captain, maybe it's capable yeah. of chewing through three, four units throughout the course of a game. Realistically, maybe two or three, but that could be 12, 13 points, 10 points. Um, if they get their yeah, three, but hey, Then you have a 10-point do. unit which actually has
1: two activations. So that's uh, five points. exactly
0: so I think that one 10 point unit should be significantly better than two six point units because the Mm 10 point unit is one less activation which is huge in this game and it's a big investment so I'm not upset if this 10 point unit of sworn brothers just derails two or three six seven point units it's not going to bother me That's, Mm -hmm. that's what should happen um, that's how it should be. Um, I don't yep. want to see necessarily Death Star versus Death Star. You probably won't see that in this game. And then there's deployment. And you can always set it up to where you don't have to. But there's kind of that balance that some people are concerned. Oh, is everything going to be a Death Star? Mm. Probably not. Not everybody's getting I think... something like a Watts Captain. Jamie Looking Halbert's father's
1: so stock line. I think they need to be able to hit their charge first in, to be able to get enough damage to the opponents, and then because you know now with the new profiles, the number of attack attacks is, is dropping, uh, and and with five or four attacks, even the Thorn Brothers are not doing really that much damage again, anymore, especially if the the enemy they're fighting has good good. Uh, Moral value, and, and don't take that much damage from, from panic. So I think these these guys they really need to uh, get the charge in, or, or one way or another, be attacking with with full length mm-hmm. to be be effective.
0: Exactly, and you know some people are saying already that the watch captain is OP, and yeah, but like you said, it's a six-round game engagement mm-hmm. doesn't normally happen until round two. So in a perfect world, they've got from round two to the end of the game to get their 10 points back. It's not going to be super easy to do. Even something that's got a four plus defense and a six plus morale. They're not going to die with one attack. Are they going to die with two? Maybe probably not. Uh, the watch captain that's or the, the um, Marshall martial training is an order. So it's only once per round. Could they do it? Probably. Uh, Is it super likely? Not really. And then even if they kill that one unit in a round, they've got to get in position to charge another. Is it possible? Yeah, there's probably games where they kill two or three units, depending on what you're running. But you've got to assume that everybody's got some type of defensive option that they can take. So if you're spamming units, that are just average just to get activations, then yeah, they're going to get chewed apart by a unit that attacks twice in a turn and has sundering and Mm -hmm. throws a lot of dice because with the watch or with the watch captain, they're throwing eight, seven, five. That's a lot of dice. That's a lot of dice by 1.6 standards. What they're saying about 1.7, that's probably almost the peak. Um, you know, everything else yeah. that we've seen glossed yeah. the tack so eight is a lot. And so I think people it are is. going to have to adjust. I think uh, three, uh, with,
1: with Swan Brothers being led by Watch Captain, maybe supported by a uh, Watch Marshal of taking the Horse Zone, I think they, can, they are quite able to make a charge in the first round.
0: They could be because they Assuming can make, the mark-
1: one, they can make one, or, one or two maneuvers and still not be activated.
0: So, so that, that, is, exactly. that
1: is, yeah, that, that's quite yeah. a long threat range with yeah. this it's still a devastating unit. Yep, and it's done. I'm definitely dev- dev- going to play watch captains with them. Yeah, you've got to try, try yeah, it sorry. out and play, play that
0: elite, elite list. Yeah, and just keeping in mind, if everything is as it is now, that is 13 points to shuttle that unit across the board. So it probably should be pretty good. Yeah, it should be pretty good.
1: But that can, once again, you know, really, really surprise your enemy and disrupt their plan. So that's what I'm thinking. Okay, well, um, you can definitely go ahead
0: yeah I'm, I'm fine. Good. Job. Okay, well, if you want to shout out yourself again any anything that you do and then when we disconnect, send me links to your information where our listeners can find some of your creation. I know that you've sent me some really really cool stuff so link us to some of that. We'll post it up on Small Council Radio. We'll let the viewers have a look. And thank you again Absolutely. for coming on. I know you stayed up super late to do this, and I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, it's pretty late, but I really want to do it. Wow, well, well, I'm out, very happy um, Yeah. One shout-out, if I may. Uh, we're running a club, Wargaming Club, here in Helsinki. And now, of course, uh, with the lockdown, we've been closed closed for two months or so and and still uh, probably not going to be able to open it soon so I just uh, want to send out a message to all of the people in the community that uh, hang on good good times will come back and uh, we'll be playing hopefully sooner than later
0: sounds great And, yeah, that's for everybody who's got a store. we just got to kind of tough it out. Hopefully we're seeing – hopefully we're getting into the downside of this and we'll start to see a little bit more normalcy with uh, being able to get out and communicate and uh, kind of mingle with each other. But uh, for now, we've just got to tough it out, and we're all in it together. So everybody just needs to kind of come together and support everybody and try to keep Mm -hmm. your local store in business. Um. Just get us those links, and I will get that posted. And with that, the small council, and we are dismissed.
1: Thank you.